0: Hello everyone and welcome back. We're back in the book of Ezra. We're starting a new book today. I'm really excited to go through uh, this book with you and I hope you enjoy it too. Matali and I are just interested to... um, Uh, You know, hit another book. So, um, just a few preliminary uh, things. McGee did a lot of preliminary uh, discussion today. I have a few notes in my study Bible. Uh, The Mosaic Law said that uh, every seven years the land needed to rest. And uh, the land required it. It was the Sabbath. And uh, the land was supposed to have a Sabbath period every seven years. And the Israelites didn't deserve it. And they didn't observe this for 490 years. So, God said, I'm going to have to send the nation into exile to Babylon, then to Persia, for uh, that would be 490 years that they had ignored the Sabbath every seven years. And that would be 490 divided by seven is 70 years. And so, that's how many years... The Israelites were in exile. So God's word, even the smallest letter of the law, had to be obeyed. So, Ezra is the story of this people coming home. So, it's another, as McGee says, it's another great revival for God's word under Ezra. So, a couple of people's names. we got Helkiah. He was the priest of young King Josiah, and this was the priest who found the book of the law, which had been misplaced earlier, and it looks like Hilkiah was Ezra's dad, and then Aaron uh, was the chief priest of Moses, so those are some names that will probably pop up there. Um, So, my study Bible says that the Jews, you know, had gone into exile because... In, uh, into Babylon because King Nebuchadnezzar came in and uh, defeated the, the southern kingdom and, and, and uh, destroyed the temple. But then you've got King Cyrus of Persia who overthrew the Babylonians and by doing so he took control of Babylon, including their territory, and then he issued a decree that the Jewish people could go home. To their ancestral home. So it's like God's spirit is having a world ruler do something, make a decision that actually accomplishes his purpose. So um, God works in rulers even though they don't, you know, they're not in, they're Gentiles. So these chapters continue this narrative of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem where Solomon's temple had stood until it was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. So, uh, the theme of Ezra is faithfulness to the Lord. So, we'll see that uh, coming up. And uh, again, um, this exile, it shows, was not the end of the story for God's ancient people or of their calling to bring light to the world. So Ezra, we're going to see, stresses God's providence and mercy in moving the imperial rulers to favor his people in raising up new shepherds uh, to, to serve them, especially Ezra. Now, Ezra is the central character in this story, and this story is a story of starting over. And so he comes back with the second wave of returnees. And when Ezra comes back on the second wave, it causes sparks to fly. And we see some characters of secondary importance, including we see three Persian kings King Cyrus, King Darius, Artorexes. We see Zerubbabel, who uh, apparently leads the first return and the rebuilding of the temple. We see workers of the temple to rebuild the temple, and many Israelites um, who had apparently had married foreign women with pagan worship practices. So, uh, we're going to see uh, sort of this outline followed. We have King Cyrus's decree, return of the exiles. Then the return of the exiles to rebuild the temple to its original site. And... Um, so then um, we see King Darius discovers and reaffirms Cyrus's decree because the work had stopped and started and stopped and started. So King Darius is the next king, and he reaffirms this decree. And then we see Ezra the priest coming to Jerusalem to establish the law of Moses. And we've got another king, Arteryxes, gives Ezra the authority to establish the Mosaic law. And then, sort of, this fourth division of this book is King Ezra, uh, Ezra discovers and confronts the problem of this intermarriage. And I, I think it's probably not so much intermarriage as it is with the people that they're marrying are worshiping foreign gods. McGee only gets into a couple of uh, uh, scriptures here, a couple of verses. So that's what we'll do. Verse. 1, in Ezra chapter 1, in the first year of King Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, thus says King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Okay, so boom. We start off with King Cyrus issuing this proclamation to allow the Israelites to come home. It's the story of God's work to fulfill His promise by bringing His people back from exile and establishing them once again in their land. And... The prophet Jeremiah had foretold this, that an exile would last 70 years. And after that time, Babylon would be punished and Judah restored. Cyrus's proclamation, according to my study Bible, is only the beginning of, of a series of events that will fulfill the prophecy. Okay? So we're going to see that and develop that a little bit more as we continue our study into the book of Ezra, a study of starting over. Wow. Isn't that something we all need to hear? So uh, we're going to turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your take on this study today. And as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you next time tomorrow as we continue our study through the book of Ezra. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean
1: hello so today we begin our study in the old testament book of ezra so just read a brief introduction to this book so ezra continues the old testament narrative of second chronicles by showing how god fulfills his promise to return his people to the land of promise after 70 years in exile so israel's second exodus So this one from Babylon is less impressive than the return from Egypt because only a remnant chooses to leave Babylon. So Ezra relates the story of two returns from Babylon. The first led by Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. That's from verses, sorry, from chapters one to six. And then the second under the leadership of Ezra to rebuild the spiritual condition of the people. That's from chapter 7 to chapter 10. Sandwiched between these two accounts is a gap of nearly six decades during which Esther lives and rules as queen in Persia. Okay, so that's our introduction to Ezra. So this book of Ezra is a historical book and um, our study today is from Ezra chapter 1 beginning at verse 1 all the way through to verse 2. So in our study in the Old Testament book of Second Chronicles, we saw that the southern kingdom went into captivity for 70 years. And here Ezra picks this up. So the book of Ezra is a historical book, like I said earlier, that's post-captivity. So it's a post-captivity book. So the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, they actually belong together. So Ezra was a priest and Nehemiah was a layman and they actually worked together. That's why they should go together. So they worked together in such a way that God's will was accomplished in Jerusalem. So the book of Ezra deals with the word of God and Ezra was, you know, a descendant of Hilkiah, the high priest. So we have that in Ezra chapter 7 verse 1 which reads now after these things yeah, sorry now after these things in the reign of Ataxerxes king of Persia Ezra the son of Sariah or Hilkiah brother. yeah Ezra the son of Sariah the son of Azariah the son of Hilkiah so that we have that introduction of who Ezra was so Ezra was the son of Hilkiah the high priest who found the copy of the Lord during the reign of Josiah and that's led to a revival. So Ezra was a priest but was actually um, unable to serve during the captivity as you know there was no temple. So it had been destroyed but he gave uh, his time to the study of the word of God and we have that in Ezra 7 Ezra chapter 7 verse 6 which reads this Ezra came up from Babylon and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses which the Lord God of Israel had given the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him so Ezra was um, actually a great revivalist and a great reformer. So the revival actually began with the reaching of the word of God by Ezra. And we'll actually see this in Nehemiah 8. So Ezra was probably the writer of 1st and 2nd Chronicles and also, you know, the longest chapter of the Bible. And that's Psalms 119. And um, it actually exalts the word of God. So Ezra organized the synagogue. He was the founder of the Order of the Scribes, and he helped settle the canon of Scripture. So he was the first to begin a revival of Bible study. So Bible study is not new. It started way back in Ezra's time. So this is God's program for revival. Revival starts within, from someone's heart. So there are 10 direct references in Ezra to the Word of God, and the place of the word of God is seen in the total life of his people. So in this book of Ezra, we have two major divisions. So we have the return from Babylon led by Zerubbabel. That's in chapters 1 through 2, chapter 6, like I read earlier in the introduction. So here we had about 50,000 people returned. And then we have the return from Babylon led by Ezra and the return under are in chapters 1 through to 6 and the return led by Ezra we have in chapters 7 through to chapter 10 so in this return by Ezra um, about 2,000 people returned with him so in chapter 1 we have the restoration of the temple by the decree of King Cyrus so okay verse 1 of Ezra chapter 1 reads Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put in also put it in writing saying So here um Cyrus was actually a great world ruler who came to the saving knowledge of God, who came to know God through the ministry of a prime minister and that he actually had by the name of Daniel. So Cyrus had been marked out over centuries before he actually came to being into power. So he was named um, in scripture. So Isaiah marks him out and he came to know God. And he knew what he was actually doing when he made a decree and gave out a proclamation that the nation Israel could return back to the land. And the word of the Lord was fulfilled in that. So that was prophecy that was actually fulfilled. So the decree was given, 70 years was up and they could return, but very few actually did return. So like I read earlier, let me just um read Cyrus, king of Persia. Sorry, um, the, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, verse 2, that says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So all the kingdoms um, that they're talking about here, uh, these were the kingdoms that were actually in existence at that time. So Cyrus was the king of all these kingdoms, and he made this decree. So Cyrus recognized that he was a minister for God. And, you know, rulers... Are part, not part. Sorry, the rulers are actually put in those positions for God, in the positions that they have to lead. So they are ministers for God, whether they actually know it or not, whether they are just bad or whatever it is. Um, they actually put. They actually are there to serve God, um, the interest of God. So they, the interest of God. So they are ministers for God whether or not they know it. So God has let them come into that permanent office. So it's up to the person, if you will, uh, what, what they do with their time. So here we have the statement, the Lord God of heaven, Um, in this statement in verse 2, which actually occurs here in the book of Ezra, um, Nehemiah, Daniel, and Daniel. But we actually don't find it before these books, and that's uh so we actually don't find it before. That's because before, um, in the other books that it was the Lord God who dwells between the chariot beams. But the Shekinah glory, that's the visible presence of God. Um, you know, that was there with uh the children of Israel and, you know, he was there as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that's all it was actually it was and you know they were the only ones who had the visible presence of God so this visible presence the Shekinah glory of God left them and we had actually made a suggestion that you know around the time when we it was left uh, this Shekinah glory around the time it actually left these people uh, is that when Manasseh Hezekiah's son came to the throne so he was actually the worst king And the glory left during his reign, and that glory lifted from the temple. So Ezekiel actually saw the vision, and it lifted from the temple, paused to see if the people of God would actually return to God and turn away from idolatry, and they didn't. And it withdrew out over the city to the city walls, paused again, but the people didn't turn to God. Then it lifted to the top of the mountain of olives. Waited there, but there was no turning to God. And then the Shekinah glory was caught up in heaven, not seen again. But one day, in the temple, walked in the Son of God, that's Jesus Christ. He actually cleansed that temple. <sighs> um, When he, he actually in scripture was that in the book of Acts he was so angry when he found them trading in the temple. So the Shekinah glory was not visible when he, when the Lord Jesus Christ when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he was veiled in human flesh. So he was God manifesting flesh. He laid aside his glory when he came to this earth and was born in Bethlehem, but his very God of very God and very man of very man. But the glory was veiled and they rejected him and crucified him. That's his people, you and me. So during the period when the Shekinah glory is caught back into heaven, he's the God of heaven. So he's the Lord God of heaven. He's a living Christ. He's at God's right hand. He was born more than 1900 years ago in Bethlehem and became a man and he died but he rose again glorified Christ in a glorified body so there is a great hope for a Christian today and scripture says beloved it does not yet appear what we should be but when he shall appear we shall be like him and today he's the one that offers gifts the gifts we're talking about when we were in the in first corinthians so he's the one that actually offers these gifts the one that is the god of heaven and our hope is actually in him you know we shall be like him look at the living christ he's the lord god of heaven even cyrus king of persia recognized that And God had given him the kingdoms of the world. So today, choose Jesus Christ because he is the living Christ. We have a living Savior, the Lord God of heaven. As scripture says, he is the Lord God of heaven. Okay, so this was our introduction to the book of Ezra. Exciting stuff and looking forward to having you on the ride. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant, pleasant day. Bye-bye.